your neighbor, and don't tell me, I'm looking at you, tell your neighbor, don't be a settle for. Now tell the neighbor on the other side of you, I don't know what that means, but we're about to find out. <laughs> I've been sharing about keeping the cutting edge because in our nation right now, there is a, uh, a big chunk of the church that's um, losing its cutting edge and walking away from the things of God that their denominations have known for a long time. And I believe there's going to be two kinds of churches in the last days, and we are in the last days. And those two kinds of churches are those that have a cutting edge and those that have lost it. And I want to be a church with a cutting edge. I want to be red hot for Jesus, and I want to know if you feel the same. Do you feel the same? All right. Say with me, it's all about Jesus. Now I want you to preach it to me. One more time. Ready? One, two, three. It's all about Jesus. You believe that? All right. Let's look at this story. So King Shishak, what a name. So King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace. He stole everything including all the gold shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze or brass shields as substitutes. And he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Something diabolical happened in those two verses that I want to talk to you about today. There was a diabolical swap, a switch, a seeding of one thing and a receiving of something else that was not good. We're going to talk about it. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today that you're the God who has given us the real thing. We don't have religion, Lord. We've got a relationship. And it is all about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes and speak to our hearts and give us something, Lord, that we can put in our pockets and take home and use when we wake up tomorrow morning and hit the world, I pray, Lord, change us today. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, change my heart today. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this. You're going to need this later. You can be seated. Now, let me, let me just talk to you about this for a minute. Uh, Notice that in this passage, King Solomon is mentioned. So since King Solomon is mentioned along with Rehoboam, let me take you to, back to King Solomon and why he matters. The Bible tells us that King Solomon made something called shields of gold. Now let me kind of bring you up to speed on what that's all about. First of all, the Bible says that King Solomon in his heyday, think about this. Solomon, the Bible says, received 25 tons of gold every year by tribute only. He received 25 tons, not pounds, tons of gold every year. I would divide that into 12 and just take one month of that. What about you? 25 tons of gold. This was the apex of the Davidic kingdom. Solomon 
was extremely, exceedingly, breathtakingly wealthy. The Bible says that silver in the days of Solomon didn't even have any value because gold was everywhere. Now the Bible says that from this amount of gold, 25 tons of gold every year, from this amount of gold, the Bible says in 1 Kings 10 verses 14 through 17, it tells us what Solomon did with it. It says King Solomon crafted 200 body length shields of hammered gold. Now think about that. Use your divine sanctified imagination and consider what I just said. He crafted 200 shields that were body length of pure beaten gold. Not gold plated, but pure beaten gold. They weighed seven and a half pounds each. For each shield, if you had one of these body shields, you were holding seven and a half pounds of pure gold, head to toe. He made 200 of those, but he didn't stop there. He made 300 smaller shields about half that size, so half of body length, 300 smaller shields. And he stored these shields in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Now I'm going to tell you what that house of Lebanon is in just a moment. But stop and think about this now. 500 shields of gold, 200 body length, 300 half body length of pure beaten gold. He had so much gold he didn't know what to do with it. That's how much God had blessed his kingdom. Now, I'm bringing out these golden shields for a reason. You say, well, what is the significance of these shields? Very significant. Very meaningful. Here's why we're going to talk about the shields. Because these shields were primarily not for war. These shields were for testimony. They were for the testimony of what God had done for Israel. These shields were representative symbols of the relationship between God and His people. You see, here's Israel, and Israel's testimony was the real God, the living God, has called us and is among us, and we worship the true and the living God. And that was their testimony to all the nations of the world, Egypt, Babylon, so on and so forth, these great world nations received the testimony of Israel. Israel's testimony to these nations was, we don't worship many gods. We don't have a bunch of different gods. We have one God, the Lord God. He is one God, and we worship the real God. And God blessed them with so much gold that they could make these shields out of it. And when they held these shields up, or when visitors saw these shields, it was a testimony of what God had done for the people of Israel. Uh, when visiting dignitaries would come, like the Queen of Sheba. Remember when the Queen of Sheba came? And when she saw what Solomon had built, she said, according to the Bible, I had heard about you, but the half had not been told. I can't believe what my eyes are seeing. Part of what she saw was these shields of gold. When visiting dignitaries like her would arrive, Solomon's army would, would don these incredible shields of gold and parade them as a testimony of God's presence, God's blessing, God's favor, and God's goodness that God had poured out on His obedient people. So here comes the Queen of Sheba. He would call for His army. 
They would go and grab these shields. They would line the way to the king's house. And they would hold up these shields of testimony. They would glisten and glitter and glimmer in the sun. They were breathtaking. It was the wow factor. Nobody could believe they were seeing what they were seeing. God has so blessed you, so enriched you, so favored you, that He has given you so much gold, so many goods, so much prosperity. And those shields testify of God's presence among you. So keep in mind that when we read about the shields of gold, we're reading about the shields of testimony. The testimony of God, the testimony of the people of Israel, that the real God was among them. Now here's the rest of the story. While Solomon is best known for building the temple that we all know as Solomon's temple, uh, his building prowess did not stop there. He built a lot of things. One of the things he built was also called the House of Lebanon. The House of Lebanon was an extension of the palace complex in Jerusalem. The House of Lebanon. The House of Lebanon, as the name implies, was built with the cedars of Lebanon. High quality, incredible wood. The cedars of Lebanon. You can read David talking in the Psalms about the cedars of Lebanon. And Solomon built this house of Lebanon with this high quality, magnificent Lebanese wood. And then it also says in the Bible, he decorated this incredible building with a huge throne of pure ivory. Can you imagine this? And you know what he did then? He overlaid it with gold. I mean, there was gold everywhere. Everywhere you look in what Solomon built was covered and bedecked in gold. It was an eye stopper. It was beautiful beyond imagination. Now, if you had gone into that house of Lebanon and seen this beautiful structure made of the cedars of Lebanon, and you had seen this ivory tower overlaid with gold, and you had looked up on the ceiling, here's what you would have seen. In striking view, for everybody who walked in there, were the 300 shields of pure beaten gold hanging from the ceiling. I mean, you talk about interior decoration. This was interior decoration deluxe. So there were those 300 shields. And what did they say to you? They said, God has blessed this place. God is on this place. God is with this place. The God that we worship is the true and the living God. Look at what He has done for us. Now I want you to hold that thought. Hold that picture in your mind and fast forward now out of Solomon's day to Rehoboam's day. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. The Bible says that the years now in Rehoboam's day have taken their toll. Solomon has long, long been dead. And Rehoboam has become, unfortunately, intoxicated by prosperity and intoxicated by immoral living. He has also, not only himself, drifted from God, but he has led all of Israel into idolatry and immorality. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Rehoboam literally redefined evil to the highest level Israel had known it. Solomon's son. So here he is. He's drifted from God. He's not worshiping God anymore. He's worshiping idols. 
he has led Israel to worship idols as well. And the scripture makes it very, very clear that when you read 2 Chronicles chapter 12, that as a result of his tragic apostasy, and that's why church apostasy is so dangerous and why it's so bad and so destructive. Because if you drift away from God, there's always consequences. I want you to say with me, choices have consequences. Do you know that's true? You say, well, I don't believe that's true. Let me tell you something. I can get you and I can get someone else on a 14-story building at the very top, and one of you can say, I don't believe in gravity, and the other one can say, I do. And they both jump. They both meet the same fate. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. God has created the world where choices have consequences. And here's Rehoboam. He drifted from God, and his choices brought consequences because the judgment of God eventually, as it always does, marched into Judah, and it came in the form of the armies of Shishak who ravaged the land and stripped the temple of the 300 shields of gold. Isn't it interesting that when Shishak, who is a picture of the devil, a picture of Satan, he marches in to Jerusalem. And what does he look for? What does he go for? What is he after? What does he want to rob them of more than anything else? Their testimony. He wants to take their testimony away. Can I tell you, church, can I just talk to you today honestly? There is a move in America right now. Shishak is on the loose. And Shishak is wanting to take the testimony of the church away. The power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, the testimony of the church. And I tell you today what I told the early service, not me, not here, not us. We are not going to give up what God has given to us. But I want you to listen closely to verse 9 and let it talk to you. The Bible says, it's seven simple words, and it says this, Shishak carried away the shields of gold. What did he want? I want to take away your testimony. I hate that God has given you this testimony. I want to take it away. I want to take away from you the evidence of God among you. What an incredible passage. When I began to study this passage, this verse 9, you know what I found out? that these seven words have captured the attention of preachers and scholars throughout the centuries because of their ominous undertones. Because in this phrase, there's a warning for all of us, and I want to talk to you real bluntly today. Do you all mind if I meddle a little bit? Say, go ahead and meddle, Pastor Jeff. And you know what? I'm going to do it even if you don't want me to. I want to share with you the Word of God. Because you see, folks, we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And it's only going to get hotter and it's only going to get rougher. And we're going to have to make up our minds that we are not going to be robbed, that we are not going to lose what God has given to us, that we're going to shine, that we're going to overcome, that we're going to triumph, and that we are going to be largely, hugely influential for Jesus. Amen. Give Him praise. Now, watch this. These physical, physical golden shields are symbolic of something very important. They represent the best, the noblest, the purest of what God has given to us. You see, God gave those shields to them 
as a blessing and as a sign of His presence. Often in the Old Testament, when you see something like these golden shields, you can bet that they have a spiritual application in the New Testament. They are types and shadows of spiritual truths that you're going to find in the New Testament. So what do these real physical shields of gold, what is the spiritual parallel for you and me today? Well, because Jesus died to give us, as it were, golden shields in our soul. Jesus died to bless us. You know, the more I preach and the more I do church and the more I live, the more I come to this. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. We're not here because of a name. We're not here because of some church building. We're not here to be religious. I don't know about you, but I'm here because it's all about Jesus. I mean, He's the one that died for me. He's the one that rose from the dead for me. He's the one that took my curse upon Him. He's the one that received the stripes across His back so that I could be healed. He's the one that saved me, found me, delivered me, raised me, breathed fresh life into me. He's the one. Jesus. And I know that when my Jesus died on the cross and that crimson blood flowed down that old rugged tree, I know that right then and there, He purchased for me, as it were, golden shields, things He wanted to bedeck my life with. For instance, I think of the golden shield of our first love for Jesus. Do you remember when you came to Him and how you fell in love with Him? How everything was Jesus? How all the time you were singing His name? How you couldn't get enough of Him? How your heart was lifted? How the burden of sin rolled off your back? Am I talking to anybody today that knows my Jesus? It's all about Jesus. And when I think about that first love and, and how I just wanted to sing to Him all day long, wanted to serve Him, wanted to give my life to Him, that first love was a golden shield. Or how about the golden shield of moral integrity placed in the room of our souls when we got saved? When the Holy Ghost came into you, He washed your sin away. And He put in you a new morality, a new ethic. He made you pure. He gave you a clear conscience. How's that for a golden shield? The guilt that used to beat you up was lifted off of you and a clear conscience came and you felt like you were lighter than air and you couldn't believe that your sins were forgiven because now there's no more condemnation and that golden shield of a clear conscience was placed in the room of your soul. Or how about... How about the irreplaceable golden shield of the anointing of God when God touched you with the Holy Spirit, sealed you to the day of redemption? I hope I'm talking to people today that know what I know because I know that when I gave my heart to Jesus, He placed the Holy Spirit in me. Peace flooded my soul. The love of God was poured abroad on my heart by the Holy Ghost. And that power energized me. It was like a rocket blasting off to go into space. He gave me that combustion power. It was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit living within. Can you say it with me, church? It's a golden shield. Thank God that when Jesus died, He died to give us so much. 
Oh, when I think of the lost, I think of everything they're missing. I think of all the things they think they're going to find in alcohol and drugs and immorality and the occult. I know that it is a dead-end road. It's a cul-de-sac that only goes around in circles. And I know that there's no real answer until you come to Jesus Christ and He breaks the sin off your life and fills you with His power. That's the golden shields. And they are on the ceiling of the church and on the ceiling of the interior of your soul. We know that Rehoboam experienced the tragic robbery of these shields because he drifted from God. God had given him these golden shields, but he drifted. So what does this passage have to say to us today? What are we going to get out of this? What, why do I share this with you today? Here's the message. The first one is the golden shields God has given to us are going to be ha- have to be carefully guarded. The golden shields that God gives to you and me have to be carefully guarded. Because Shishak went for Rehoboam's shields and the enemy goes for ours. Jesus talked about the thief. He talked about the robber. He talked about the liar. He talked about the devil. Peter said, be careful, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is roaming around seeking who he may eat alive. Can't we all think of men and women who experienced a time when the temple of their lives was hung with golden shields of honor and integrity and purity and commitment and high ideals? Can you remember people like that, men of God, women of God? But then somewhere... Somehow along the way, the golden shields have been stolen and they are gone. And they don't walk in those golden shields anymore. Church, I know this is somber. I know this is kind of a, a, a strong word. But I'll tell you what, it's a word that I preach in hope because I believe this is going to be a church that is going to keep its golden shields. That's going to keep its golden shields. We're not going to give it up. We're not going to lay them down. See, when I talk to you about keeping the cutting edge... If you're going to keep the cutting edge on your spiritual life, you're going to have to fight to protect the golden shields God has placed among you and within you. Integrity, true anointing, first love for Jesus, our high calling, Jesus being first in your life, and all the blessings that go with that have got to be guarded. They're golden shields. They're irreplaceable, invaluable Think back with me to your beginning with God for just a moment. Because you know what? It was only yesterday when the walls of your soul were hung with shields of gold. It was just yesterday. You got saved and the Holy Spirit came in and He just hung shields of gold in the interior of your soul. You remember it, don't you? You got gifted. You got anointed. You were filled with zeal. Wasn't it only yesterday when we promised God that we would be faithful to Him, that we would do His bidding, live for Him, follow Him closely? But now with the passing of time, some of us and all of us, me included, we have had to admit from time to time that the shining light in our heart has dimmed and that the enemy, Shishak the devil, has come to take golden shields out of our life and out of the church. In your journey through life, Has there been an invasion 
Shishak, who is to us the devil, paid a visit. And you know what? There's nothing worse than waking up in the morning, nothing worse, and realizing the golden shields that used to be there are gone. I've experienced that. And it's a terrible feeling. You didn't even mean for it to happen. You don't know how it happened. But it did. And you wake up and you go, wow, the zeal that I used to have, that first love I used to have, uh, that hunger for the Word that I used to have, that desire to be to church every time the door is open that I used to have. The gold shield's gone. Say, how did this happen? I'm going to tell you how it happens. Golden shields are lost in the form of small invasions. Golden shields are taken away in the form of small invasions. Let me name a few. Through little inconsistencies, neglected devotions, flirtatious small talk, feeding on trash, ABC, CBS, NBC, Cosmo Magazine, people, feeding on trash. We live in a world of trash. Everybody's feeding on trash. I, I've learned, I've had a revelation in my own life. If I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to have to walk away from so much of the world's trash. Because if I feed on it, garbage in, garbage out. But life in, life out. Goodness in, goodness out. You reap what you sow. But these are the little small invasions that take place that we're not aware of when they're, when they're taking place. Impure thoughts, unholy desires. We feed them. And the soul becomes contaminated. And Rehoboam opened the door for Shishak, and that's how he came in. And when we do these things, we don't know it, but it's a door opener. And the enemy comes in and plucks those golden shields off the ceiling of our soul. And we wake up one day and realize we've been robbed. Everybody say amen or oh me. So there is a warning here about the ever-present danger of losing the golden shields. How many of you want to keep the shields God gave you? I mean, hallelujah, glory to God. You can keep them. And I'm about to tell you how to get them back if you lose them. But here's something else that happened. The passage doesn't stop there. It wasn't just that Rehoboam had the golden shields stolen. But listen to what he did. What he did next is incredible. He made shields of brass... And he replaced the gold with phony brass. Listen to what the Bible says. King Rehoboam replaced the gold shields with brass shields and gave them to the guards who were posted at the entrance to the royal palace. Here's what happened. He was humiliated. He was embarrassed by the loss of the golden shields. And so here's what he did. He commanded his craftsmen to make another 300 shields, but he didn't have the gold anymore because, because he had not been worshiping the true God. And so this time, he made shields not of gold like his father Solomon had done, but of fake brass. It looked like gold, it glittered like gold, it sparkled like gold, but it was fake. It was phony. Fake and phony brass. Now I see a difference here with Rehoboam and his granddaddy, David. Do you remember when David decided that he was going to go and fight with the Philistines against Israel, and he, he shacked up in Ziklag. You remember that when he shacked up in Ziklag and, and submitted himself to a pagan king for protection? When David made that decision, it was the worst decision he'd made in all of his 10 years of running from King Saul. 
He had always trusted God to deliver him. He had always trusted God to see him through. But now he panics, he freaks out, he yields to the flesh, and he goes and submits to a pagan king for protection. While David was in Ziklag, not one psalm was written of glory to God. The voice of the poet is silent. He has compromised himself to go and live in Ziklag. And while he's in Ziklag, the Bible says that he even decided to go with the Philistine army and fight against Israel. Well, they wouldn't let him do it. They turned him away. He came back with his uh, tail tucked between his legs. And when he got near the city, he saw it filled with smoke and fire, smoke curling up into heaven. And he knew that everything he had had been stolen from him. His wives, his children, his goods, his wealth, and all of his men's wives, children, and wealth. The Bible says that David had a different spirit from Rehoboam. Instead of saying, well, the devil stole everything from me, he said, that's not the way I see it. He went to God, got on his knees, and he said, Lord, I hope you're going to tell me to pursue them because I want to pursue them because I want to get back what Satan has stolen from me. I'm not going to let the Amalekites have my wives, have my goods, have my children. Lord, just give me the word and I'm going to go. I'm going to chase them down. I'm going to fight and I'm going to get back what the devil has stolen from me. God said, go and you will recover everything that the devil took. He got his men. He chased them down. He whooped them Texas style. And the Bible says these three words, David recovered all, not part, not most, all. And that was the spirit of David. But one generation later, down to his grandson, Rehoboam did not have this heart. Rehoboam was more concerned with appearances than reality. Rehoboam was more concerned with what people thought about him than his actual spiritual condition. So he makes these shields of brass. Why? To put on a show. To put on a show, to be fake about it. To strut, to be able to say to Israel, here's the shields, we're fine, we're cool, everything's okay, when in fact it was not okay. The gold was stolen. And instead of chasing down Shishak and getting the shields back, he said, I don't care about that, I don't care about the real thing. All I care about is looking good in front of the people. Folks, there comes a time when you need to quit worrying about what people think about you. Don't fear men. If the devil has robbed and stolen from you, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I've been robbed. The devil has hit me. Shishak has taken some of my golden shields away. But I am a David. I'm not a Rehoboam. I'm not going to sit back and let it happen. I'm going to chase down the enemy in the name of Jesus and by the blood and by the word of God. I'm going to get back what the enemy has stolen from me. I'm not going to let the devil have my gold shields. But haven't you seen... The subtle swap of the real for the fake. It happens in our lives and it happens in the church. The gold is stolen and instead of paying the price to get it back, we just substitute brass. And you know what? When brass replaces gold, you can see it. It's easy to see. It produces the polished artificial greetings. Hey, 
Hallelujah. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And inside, you're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess. You hide it. When you replace brass for gold, it's so easy to try to make it look like the Holy Spirit is moving when He's not moving. You bang the tambourine louder, jump higher, spin faster, and make a bunch of activity to try to make people believe the Holy Ghost is moving when in fact the golden shields have been robbed and you're trying to make it look like something that is not there. You've got to get the anointing back. This is my concern for the church. In America, we've got to get the anointing back. You don't subsist by programs. You don't, you don't motivate people by duty. See, you know that you've lost the gold and you're walking in brass if you go to church out of duty instead of desire. You no longer have that zeal and desire for God. And so brass has replaced it, the brass of duty. I go because I should. I want to see a bunch of people that want to get to church because they can't wait to worship God in the beauty of holiness with all the saints of God and really get down and touch God. The church goes to battle bearing shields of brass, fighting spiritual battles with fleshly weapons. You can't whip devils with willpower. You've got to have the blood. You've got to have the anointing. You've got to have prayer. You've got to have spiritual weapons. Let's get the gold back, church. Let's get the gold back. Phony joy, the contrived moving of God's Spirit, artificial greetings, the forced smile, all of those are symptomatic of the brass. I want the real thing. I want what I felt Wednesday night, what I have sensed here so much, when we worship God, you can sense the gold in the house. Not, listen, I'd rather meet in an open field under the hot sun and the anointing of God be there than be in a multi-million dollar cathedral when it's deader than a hammer and God long ago left. I want the gold, the gold of God, the gold of God's Spirit. When brass replaces gold, busyness replaces the flow of God's anointing. Holy Ghost zeal is replaced with mechanical duty. And so this story of Rehoboam, who had golden shields in the house in Lebanon, but he drifted from God. One day a great army, under God's will, invaded, went straight to the treasures, straight to the testimony, stole the gold, walked off with it. David would have gone and gotten it. Rehoboam did not. He created fake shields of phony, cheap brass. The sad thing about it was, whenever they took those shields out there after that, the marchers and the watchers both knew the gold was gone. When the gold leaves, first you know it, then those around you know it, then everybody knows it. May God keep His gold on the house. And may you keep the gold shields in your own soul. Can you stand with me today? You know, it's interesting. Jesus was talking to the church at Laodicea, which I'm going to be talking about this Wednesday night in Postcards from the Edge. And he said to the church in Laodicea, I counsel you to buy of me gold 
tried in the fire that you may be rich. We need the gold tried in the fire that Jesus gives us, the real thing. How many of you want the real thing? You want the real thing? Do you really want the real thing? Can I ask you to bow with me for a moment? If you can say, Pastor Jeff, looking at the interior of my soul, I'm aware that this shield or that shield have been taken. Would you just consider for a moment where you used to be and where you are now?